there was another character that was just as important as the two of us. New York City. Ah, uh, hmm. So New York City is like another character. Yeah. Spoilers ahead. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Callum. And welcome back to 1001 A Film Policy. For this week's top three, we will be discussing our favourite movie set in New York. From the classics of the early 20th century to the modern day blockbusters, The Big Apple has been a constant muse for movie makers of all genres. From the towering skyscrapers to the vibrant streets, New York serves as the perfect backdrop to bring stories to life. Okay, then, so top three films set in New York City. Right, so my number three, then, is um, American Psycho, um, which is a bizarre movie about an investment banker who's basically a, a serial killer in secret. He's horrible. As they all are um, until they're yeah. arrested. There are many films about Wall Street and the people who work there, but this is a, a very different take. So Christian Bale's... Um, character in it patrick bateman is seemingly just like everyone else he enjoys getting new business cards and showing them off until he's one-upped by somebody else and they go for dinner at high-end restaurants but behind this facade he spends his free time threatening stray cats and throwing chainsaws at prostitutes this is a very strange film isn't it yeah, it's it's um, quite grim, isn't it? In parts, there's the scene that's I remember the the tramp and his dog. I hate that scene. I hate that scene. <sighs> it's horrible. But he's become sort of a internet phenomenon, hasn't he, Patrick Bateman? Like, yeah, people look up to him. Yeah, but it, he's like he's put in with all those other things like Joker and Drive and stuff, isn't it? It's like this is yeah. not really what you want to be, but they sort of take the mech out of people who want to be like these guys, don't they? Incel. Incel, yeah. Even when Patrick Bateman admits to his crimes, he's so normal and, and unsuspecting that everyone just thinks it's, it's a joke. And no one believes him, which is the, the strange twist. Although I've put this as my third favourite film set in New York, it, it was actually filmed partially in New York. The majority was actually shot in Toronto. They do that a lot. Toronto is used as a um, sort of a cheaper option for Films set in New York quite a lot. If you're looking to films shot in Toronto, there's loads. There's loads oh. and loads. If you, well, in Scott Pilgrim, they're filming a film, aren't they? In within the film, um, and that's because Toronto is constantly used as like, um, yeah, pretending to be other cities for some reason. Oh, I didn't know that, but that's that's, that's pretty interesting. There you go, a little fact for you there. Also, I'll say the fact that this film is set in New York, it gives it a bit more edge due to the congested population of the city. Uh, there's always going to be someone around, isn't there, for Patrick to take his frustrations out on. Uh, yeah. Like you said about the man and his dog, it just happened to be there. He wasn't Horrible. looking for him. The last thing I'll say then about American Psycho is that Leonardo DiCaprio was originally cast as, as Patrick Bateman. I think that would have been interesting, um, but I think Christian Bale's got more of a, He's got a less likable demeanour if you, if you just sort of yeah. base it on his appearance. I think you definitely need a fine jawline for this movie because he's quite vain, isn't he? And Caprio a, a, looks a bit too too happy for it. I don't know, especially at this time, he would have done. Yeah, I think it's the the way he plays him as well. He's got a, quite a punchable face, hasn't he? The way he is in it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he does a Jim Carrey voice in it for some reason. He sat, yeah. If you rewatch it, he sounds like Jim Carrey. And no one should like Huey Lewis in the news that much. So the, the three films I've picked are ones that I think they couldn't really be set anywhere else, really. My third pick, um, so I couldn't really come back with a list 
you know, without including like a 70s New York film, because I think that's sort of the pinnacle of New York films in my mind. Like when I think of New York films, I think of like the gritty ones from the 70s. Um, I almost went with The French Connection, which has that famous car chase scene down apparently 86th Street in Brooklyn is where they filmed that, which was a real car chase scene. So they're actually smashing into pedestrians and stuff as they were doing it. Christ. Um, and I also nearly went for The Wanderers, which is one of my dad's favourite films. But I went with a film, well, I used to actually always get confused with The Wanderers, which is The Warriors. Similar title, and the, the posters are quite similar. And the storyline is about gangs in New York, which is what um, The Wanderers is about as well. Um, but with The Warriors, it's a dystopian version of New York City, and it, and each part of the city is divided up into territories. And each territory, there's a gang that controls it, basically. And the main crew are obviously the Warriors, who were falsely accused of killing one of the most powerful gang leaders in the city. And basically, the film just follows them as they navigate their way across the city back to their beloved Coney Island. Um, and they travel through all the different boroughs and encounter a lot of unsavoury characters along the way. Um, and the reason I picked this film is because it highlights just the the dirtiness. And the, I think it's called Urban Decay that was present in the city at the time. Um, <laughs> and it, it features on a, on a list on Letterboxd called Dirty Old New York. And when I watch uh, an older New York film, I want it to embrace the griminess. Yeah, uh, this mean. one this one does a lot. I think it's during like people who know about New York. It was before a certain mayor came into power called, called Rudy Gelani. Oh, I don't know how to say his name. B was the fellow that was on the Borat Two film that yeah, did, I know you, did yeah. dodgy things <laughs> with uh, the actress who played Borat's daughter. But um, yeah, the characters in this film also make most of their journey in the subway system in New York, which I think is would be hard to recreate in any other city. Um, recreating that subway because I think it's quite iconic, isn't it, to New York, that subway system, and it features in a lot of films. I've not seen The Warriors, um, and I don't know much about it other than that scene with the bottles and yeah. Warriors. I'll pop that in. <laughs> yeah, or just have me doing it. Um, All right, yeah, I'll, I'll put some sound, right, do it then. I'll say action, and then I'll put some little sounds of bottles being clicked together over it. No. Okay. no. Oh, okay, fine, I'll just put the clip in the Warriors come out to play. But you've never seen the Warriors, okay? No, I've good. never seen Warriors. I know that that scene, um, and I feel like I knew that as a kid because I feel like I used to say it. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a cult reference or something that I'd heard and thought would be good to say. Um, yeah. And also, there was that video game, wasn't there, called The Warriors? Yeah, on PS2. Based on the film, very <laughs> random that. I thought that was a bit mad. They brought that out, and then they also brought out a Reservoir Dogs video game around the and, same time. And the Godfather. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> there must have been like a, a lease had run out or something on all of those films, and they could yeah. have other things, maybe, maybe something like that. But yeah, I'll say with The Warriors, one thing people don't like about it is it's quite it's a bit over the top, like with the, the I don't know, the, the, the fighting in it and the, the, the way they talk and stuff. It's quite... It's in the 80s, be, isn't it? It's set in the seventies, really, I mean, um, but, but it's was like it... a dy- dystopian version of York. So there's loads of like mad gangs with like I don't know if you've seen the clip of the guys with like mime face paint on that like staring at them in the subway and stuff. It's quite creepy, really. But I don't know. It's like a B movie, really. But I, I think it's a good one. I, yeah. I really do like it. Yeah, I would like to watch it. Um, yeah, I will, yeah. and then we can that, talk about it. That's fine. Yeah, I didn't want to ruin it because I had a feeling you hadn't watched it. But I like their one. names in it. Swan. Yeah, they've got cool names. Yeah. <laughs> we did promise our friend Max a mention. Um, he gave us his top three films set in New York. And he actually stole one of the ones I was going to do. Um, Uh-oh. Because he went for Goodfellas. 
yeah. which we've mentioned a few times and needs no introduction. Um, he said the humans, he said it was a film that stuck with him, uh, even if it didn't sort of, it wasn't totally sold at the start, well, when watching it. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about that other than that it's got, um, what's his face from Walking Dead in it? Uh, Stephen Ewan, yeah, I've, I've watched that film. It's got Jonah Hill's sister in it as well, and uh, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, it, I can't really remember what happens in that film. I've, I've definitely watched it, though. Like, it's set in a, in a, an apartment block in New York, yeah, from what I remember, but fair enough, I might have to rewatch it. Might to, be one of those on that, <laughs> like you said, that couldn't be filmed anywhere else, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Um, and Gangs of New York, which um, you've never seen New York quite like it, I think, in that film. I've never seen that film. You've never seen Gangs of New York? No. Oh, we all have to do that. Many times. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Every sort of film you see set in New York is from the twenties onwards, and it all yeah. looks pretty. You see the Empire State and all this sort of the um, the Manhattan Bridge and Brooklyn Bridge and all that, all the sort of sites and Statue of Liberty. But this is before all that. Like none of that's in this, so it, it's just a very sort of I don't know. It's a side of New York that you don't really see very often. Because obviously yeah. it's it's set long before the city sort of developed, but um, yeah, I, I do want to watch it. All I know is it's got Elliot from ET in it, uh, a bit older. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> interesting film, but we'll definitely watch it at some point. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, thanks, Max, for coming back to us with them. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Boyo. Right then, my number two is Saturday Night Fever, a film that I put off watching. I don't know why I did. It's great. It's the, it's the film that's credited with taking the New York nightclub subculture and turning it into a, a phenomenon. 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 Why couldn't I say phenomenon? Phenomenon. Of course I'm saying Phenomenon. The film focuses on a 19-year-old Tony who's played by a very fresh-faced John Travolta. You don't get many 19-year-old Tonys these days. I'll say that much. No. <laughs> you got a lot of them in in New York in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a regular at a discotheque called um, Two Thousand and One Odyssey. Whoa! So there you go, and he's proclaimed the the king of the dance floor. He's got moves. He has got. He's got. Yeah, very good moves. Um, I've tried to imitate him plenty of times on drunken nights yeah, out and i've witnessed it and it's sickening it's disgusting soul, soul club in, in, in no it's the soul suite in wrexham it hurts me to watch yeah um, but anyway <laughs> i remember that woman saying to you what's your what's your name and i just went john travolta and just carried on dancing <laughs> <laughs> i remember that awful <laughs> um but yeah the soundtrack is um absolutely stacked as the kids say i actually had the cd as a child um, probably one of the first CDs I had was the Saturday Night Fever um, <laughs> soundtrack. Um, That's bizarre. Having no context of the film, and I wore it out, basically. I used to like, uh, I think it was called A Fifth Beethoven, by a song by Walter Murphy. Yeah. Um, that well, I used a, to I like. A later remix by Robin Thicke, I think, wasn't it? I don't know. Possibly. Okay. The film touches on the, the social tensions of the working class and the options available to young people at the time. Tony's brother is a priest and much favoured by his parents, uh, which only increases Tony's need for the attention on the dance floor, which is sort of the sole premise of the film. I was reading up on this film the other night, and I read a fact that said that filming was was almost interrupted by when the local mafia um, tried to extort protection from the crew. In fact, the, the nightclub where the film was being shot was hit with a small firebomb Jesus, uh, and I thought that's that's quite uh, that's quite a cool fact. It's, it's dangerous and 
Yeah. This, that, and the other. And I thought it was quite relevant as well to, to, to a film set in New York. And then I saw two minutes later that a group of Hasidic Jews were, were against the crew filming in the neighbourhood and tried to disrupt filming and even tried to turn over one of the cars using the production. Christ! What the hell? What an image! Is this film safe from anyone? <laughs> Just angered everyone, apparently. Yeah. Another thing I learned about this film, which I didn't realise, is this actually was after the the whole disco craze of the 70s. Um, this was like at the end of it. Yeah. Um, but it brought it all back. People, a lot of people, when they first saw it, thought it was like a, a going to be a comedy about the disco phase and sort of maybe taking the mick out of it. Um, but no, it, it was a completely serious film with with quite sensitive sort of topics in, involved in it. It's, it's an eighteen, <laughs> um, which I always found crazy. But yeah, uh, thinking about it, I think some of it definitely should be if anything like i say it, it revitalized the the nightclub sort of culture and i think the, the the soundtrack was in the chart i think it was the highest selling album at the time um until thriller came out i remember this film is really dark actually when you watch it you think it's gonna be a fun film about someone dancing yes yeah, the no. and then there's all sorts of suicide or, or like someone falls off a bridge at some point and there's like rape in it and stuff it's, yeah, it's all sorts it's yeah it's really deserving of that 18 rating <laughs> Um, ironically as well obviously knowing that I was going to be talking about this tonight um, I got in my car this morning to get to work uh, put the key in the engine and Staying Alive was playing oh right um, there you go. and I thought great song sort of sets me up for a good day you can't not I couldn't strut I was driving but yeah, my head was bobbing and then after it Ronan Keaton because it was Magic Radio Ronan Keaton was saying how <laughs> it's his how the Bee Gees are his Beatles. He says everyone goes on about the Beatles, but it's the Bee Gees for me, um, and it, it sullied it a little bit. For my second pick, um, I've gone for one that I don't see get mentioned a lot, really. So I'm going to give it a shout out here. All right, the Safdie brothers have only made films set in New York and clearly have a love for the place that they were raised in. Uh, their films tend to show the underbelly of the city and feature flawed and occasionally seedy characters making extremely poor decisions. So, like Good Time and Uncut Gems, are like their two big hits, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to go for a lesser-known Safdie Brothers film, uh, which is called Daddy Long Legs, and it's from 2009. I know, um, I know the film. Yeah, so this this film has a lot of Safdieisms, um, but in comparison to the other films I've seen of theirs, it's a lot more personal, really, and and softer in a way, if you can call a Safdie Brothers film soft. But it follows a man called Lenny who gets custody of his kids for two weeks of the year. Um, and then shenanigans ensue, really. I feel like it really captures the essence of like just everyday average Joe life in, in New York, really, because he's just walking around with his kids on street level. And I think a lot of it is just filmed with him on the street, just interacting with strangers as well, mm-hmm. um, as well as other actors. But it just shows all the mad sights and sounds that they encounter. Um, there is some volatility in the city, as can be expected, but the amount of realism in this film sucked me in. And I felt like I was just watching a documentary set in New York City about a dad and his lads trying to get by, really. That sounds interesting. It is is a good film. It's just, I don't know, there's not much, you know, that people say there's, oh, that's got no plot to it, nothing happens. Yeah. It's a bit like that. But things do happen. It does does keep the story going. Like, you know, there's beats to the story and and things happen to get to the next bit and stuff. But it's just a chill film to watch, really. It sounds like New York's a character. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was like New York's a character, actually. Yeah, and the story. A film I think does that is is that doesn't really have a story. It's just things going on, boyhood yeah. for a bit, but that's yeah. great. 
No, I yeah, I, I'm. Oh, I can, I stand those films. What's the other one? That's the the number one film on in sight and sound. Oh, list. John Dillman. Peeling potatoes. Blah, 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 three hours, blah, blah, whatever blah, blah, blah. it is. Yeah, I've watched that film. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to watch it because I I can imagine it to be quite a tense film. But do, do you know anything about it other than she just peels potatoes? I know that she's sort of not happy with how things are. Right, so don't, change. don't look into anything about the right, film okay. if you're going to watch it. Because I knew what happened at the end um, and and throughout the film, actually. And um, I would have liked it a lot more if I didn't. So I don't it. know. Fair enough. Don't don't mention it ever again until you watch it. All right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Daddy Longlegs, never seen it. Um, I've seen Uncut Gems. Um, yes. But I... I haven't seen anything else by the Safdie brothers. Um, You've not seen Good Time. Oh yeah, no, I know Good. I, I know Good Time because um, it's on my watch list on Netflix. Um, oh yeah, fair but, enough. But nev- never, it's a Netflix. Ne- film, never watched it yet. It's one. Of, you know, what I'm going to say it. It's another film that feels like it could have been made in the seventies ah. all the time. But it is. is. It looks in Sally. Is it in Sally? A little bit. It's not a very likable character. Ah. In fact, I'd compare him a little bit to uh, Vincent Gallo. Ah, fuck that. <laughs> no, he's nicer. <laughs> he's nicer. He's, he's more. Does he's he have a likeable. little bit of a heart, or? Yeah, he like he loves his brother, and he's doing everything because his brother uh, for, for for a reason for his disabled brother, basically. So dead man's shoes. There you go. Right then, my number one is Serpico. Good to see you again, Frank. That's it. I'm finished. What's wrong? I can't take it anymore. I got to get out. If I have to go back to uniform, I'm going back to uniform. I can't wait for Delaney to call, and I can't play their game anymore. I'm right in the middle. I can't take it. Frank, you mean to say the commissioner didn't get in touch no, with you? No, he didn't get in touch with me. Not a Frank, word. I no investigation. No undercover I, I work. Nothing. no idea, Frank. Another Sydney LeMay movie. You um, love Sydney. I do uh-huh. like Sydney. I do. <laughs> I do. Um, you got a problem with that? No, I like Good. Sid. Good. So Serpico depicts another 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 side of uh, New York uh, to, the, to the previous two I've mentioned. Um, more of the, the poverty and sort of crime-stricken streets, um, crawling and corrupt cops and, and drugs. I always think it captures the, the city's multiculturalism and, and diversity. You can sort of feel the... Have you ever heard like New York being referred <laughs> to as like the big bubbling sort of melting pot? Um, yeah, all the different cultures in one yeah. place. Thing. Basically, the majority of this film is played out as a, as a, as a long flashback. It starts with Serpico with a the gunshot wound in his face. Oh God! Um, are you going to watch Serpico? Yeah, of course. I'm going to make sure there's no spoilers in this then. Yeah, I don't want to know. All I know there's a parrot. Yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> he's basically a straight cop. He refuses to take bribes, and um, and everybody else in the system's quite crooked. Yeah. Um, so he's the only sort of straight cop in a in a bent police force. Um, so when he's been shot, everyone suspects it's another officer. All oh, right, yeah. That's no spoiler. That's just the start of the film. Uh, I do like to think this film is is set in the day to Taxi Driver's Night. It's it's a pivotal role for for Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, respectively. I imagine that this is where the comparisons maybe came from. I know obviously in The Godfather Part Two together, but they both set, play the Don, so maybe it started there. I, I don't know really, but I think this is maybe for me the two roles where you can compare them the most. You definitely need to see Serpico. Is sick. I'm gonna. I really do love films from the seventies like this, so it's, I definitely will. It's more, yeah, it's one of the best ones I think, and it's also referencing Saturday Night Fever. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, doesn't he have he's, he's a bit of Pacino? He goes, Al Pacino. Yeah, I remember that bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's weird. Um, um, but Tax Driver and Serpico, there's three years between them. I think Serpico came out first, but I definitely think that you can imagine them being 
in the same sort of world. Maybe French Connection as well. Could be bundled in those. Have you seen French Connection? No, I've not. I'll watch Serpico, you watch French Connection. Okay. Deal? Yeah, deal. Well, a fact about this film, though, like I say, it's uh, it's a flashback. Well, the film was actually shot in reverse order. Um, so Al Pacino began the film with long hair and a beard, and for each scene, his hair and beard were trimmed bit by bit until he became clean cut. That makes more sense, I guess. Well, does it? Mm. I don't know, because it'd be, it would constantly be fighting against <laughs> yeah, you, because it's going to keep might... growing. Yeah, but it might take quite long to grow. You, you don't get a full bushy beard like that in 30 days or however long it took to film, do you? No, true. Yeah, so they'd be doing it for the they'd be doing it for about a year, wouldn't they? Trying to get him to grow yeah, a big yeah. beard and long hair, or use a or use a fake beard which looks rubbish. Yeah, so <laughs> sod that. Like American Hustle, with all those beards and that. Oh god, that's <laughs> <the> hair. <laughs> that film stresses right. me out. Al Pacino obviously is a very method actor. It's 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 going to character on well almost the whole time he's filming it, and what he'd do is he'd go to different neighbourhoods of of New York. Uh, some of them would be quite dangerous because obviously Serpico would be working in dangerous areas. And there's a story that Al Pacino was so encouraged that he pulled over a truck driver uh, and threatened to arrest him for exhaust pollution. Jesus. Um, so, yeah, so he was very dedicated to this role. Um, That's mental. Again, this you couldn't film this anywhere else. It, oh, has, okay. to, it has to be New York. <laughs> it yeah. has to be New York. Um, I can't really describe why, but, yeah, it, it couldn't be in Los Angeles or anywhere like that. It had to be. And it had to be because it was based on a real Serpico who lived in New York. So it would just it's a real be, bloke. It'd be wrong, yeah. Um, and Al Pacino spent a lot of time with the real Serpico while filming it. I can't really, yeah, bring much to this conversation other than... And it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There's a whole episode where Charlie is pretending to be Serpico or acting like him for some reason. Oh. I can't remember why. It's very uh, strange. But it's going around. And have you ever seen the film Inherent Vice? No. That sounds a bit similar from what from what you're telling me there. So maybe check that out. It's got maybe. Nick's as the main guy. Oh, there you go. Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Serpico. Serpico! Yeah, it does. So I've actually got two films in what? my number one spot. Is it? Am I allowed? Yeah, that's right. I'm a maverick. Um, so I don't think you can have a list of films set in New York without mentioning two people. Um, and they they are Martin Scorsese and Spike Lee. I'd say they're the two big New York guys, in my mind, anyway. Um, I opted to go with Spike Lee for my number one spot because uh, I think we've talked a lot about Martin Scorsese, haven't we, really? <laughs> I don't know if it's the film. Oh, right, yeah. But I, I couldn't decide which film to place as, it, so I, as number one. So I cheated and I've got two. And one of them is right. Do the Right Thing. And one of them is Crooklyn. Um, so a little bit of background on Spike. He moved to Brooklyn as a child, and it's clear his upbringing in that neighbourhood has a profound effect on both him as a person and as a, as a director. Um, and I think Do the Right Thing was the first Spike Lee film I saw, and I, I'd say that is a five out of five film for me. Um, I've only watched it once, though, so might be do a rewatch, but I remember really thinking this is a great film as I was watching it. It's considered as his sort of seminal film as well. A key element of the film is, as you mentioned actually earlier when you were talking about, um, which, which, which film Serpico. was it? About the, yeah, was it Serpico? Yeah. Wasn't that recent you said that? Um, yeah, it was, it was a key element of this film is the exploration of the different cultures and complexities of coexistence between all the different cultures as well. And this film, uh, Do the Right Thing, is set on the hottest day of the year just to ramp up the tension between all the different groups. And it's just bloody good. I just think he's a really good director and he's got a lot of his signature moves that feature in this film. Um, and the way he just shoots the streets in the neighbour just makes the whole film feel like quite vibrant. It's like one of the most vibrant and alive films I've ever seen. Especially those scenes where characters like break the fourth wall and shout at the camera. Yo! Hold up! Time out! Time out! 
take a chill. You need to cool that shit out. And that's the double truth, Ruth. I didn't realise, I watched it this week, and I didn't realise until I'd finished watching it that Spike Lee was the main character. What was his name? Mookie, Mookie. yeah. I didn't realise it was Spike Lee. Didn't have a clue. Yeah, he, t- he tends to put himself in his own film. Sometimes, in his earlier ones, he is more of a main character due to probably budget and, yeah. you know, trying to get a beard up and coming guy. But later ones, he just pops up as like little side characters. It's quite funny. A bit like uh, Quentin Tarantino. The, um, bit. the standout scene is... I've seen it a few times before I'd actually watched the film. Yeah. It's when each character just sort of has two minutes to just say just absolute, just racial obscenities and, and slurs <laughs> and just stereotypes thing. and stuff. Um, and it's just ironic because they're all, they all hate each other, but they're yeah. all... So impassioned yeah, about... Yeah. About their own culture. Yeah, you can just imagine like the reaction of audiences in the cinema while they're watching, like probably... I don't know, when it comes to their race, they're like, oh, Jesus, they're yeah. talking to me now. <laughs> like, probably like laughing at the other scenes. And then when, as soon as their race is mentioned, they're like, oh, that's the scene that stuck out to I me. I think it's a very I, brave um, scene as well, it. because it could all it could easily be misconstrued and people can see that and go, yeah, that's offensive or whatever. But it, if you think about it, it's not at all. It, it's got a very yeah. important message. And I think the whole film has, really. Yeah, it's definitely very clearly a, a film with a, with a racial yeah. message, isn't it? There's some, like, actors that you... But more Samuel L. Now, like, yeah, Samuel L. He's only got a little part. He's like the radio DJ guy, isn't he? And then um, John Carlo Esposito, who plays Gus Fring yeah. in uh, Breaking Bad, he's in it. He's quite he's quite an annoying character. Yeah, yes. now, what I remember <laughs> does my head in. But um, my favorite character is probably Radio Raheem. I just think he's a uh, just a cool guy walking around yeah. with his boombox. What more can be God said about him? Yeah, you can't say much more. <laughs> my favorite characters are the three old fellas. Oh, yeah, um, I like those guys. Yeah, they're funny. Mike. Fuck Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson ain't shit. I remember when he mugged that woman right there on Lexington. Remember that shit? And you were going to tell him that? I'll tell him that. I ain't for fuck Mike Tyson. That's to his face. That's to you goddamn Mike Tyson, right. Mike Tyson, I ain't scared of Mike Tyson. Shit, you're talking that shit down. I'll drop him like a bad habit. Yeah, man, you hear that? Sure. Yeah, yeah, boy. Yes. And Mike Tyson yeah. dream about whooping my ass. He better wake up and apologize. Yeah. The other film I was just going to briefly mention, alongside it, is sort of, um, it's a bit different. It's a bit more of an intimate portrayal of of Brooklyn and the neighborhood, really. And it's called Crooklyn. Much like Do the Right Thing, we don't explore the city outside of Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn area, too much. It's a bit like EastEnders. All of the action seems to just happen in one <laughs> one neighborhood of a huge city. But I mentioned the vibrancy and do the right thing, but this one has it too, uh, in abundance. But somehow, Spike Lee managed to make me, a 27-year-old white man from the UK, feel nostalgic for 1970s Brooklyn uh, in a mostly black neighborhood. But he's, he's one of my favorite directors, and who knows whether he would have been successful without that childhood yeah. in Brooklyn or have the same effect on cinema. Fair. Can't comment too much. It's a good film, Crooklyn. I don't know if it's based on his actual life, though. Um... But it's a very, it's like a family yeah, he's, film, he's obviously really. writes about what he knows, which is always good. Yeah, you like that. And you like coming to the yeah. films, don't you? And that cat, um, Crooklyn is is one of those. I don't even, a, I've not even heard of Crooklyn art. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's, I, I just remember one scene where the girl's nan sits on her own oh. dog. It's quite quite traumatic, actually. <laughs> but the rest of the film is nice. It's just, well... The sad elements to it, but it's it's a it's a good coming of age film. And I know you're a fan yeah. of those guys. Yeah, definitely, I'll give that a go. Have you got any honourable mentions? Um, Taxi Driver. Already mentioned that, but that's definitely one. Godfather, Gangs of New York, like Max said. I don't know. So for some reason, this was the first film I thought of uh, for this list, um, and that's Elf. <laughs> for some reason, when I think of New York films, I picture Buddy the Elf walking into 
New York, the center of New York, and going yeah. to that toy shop for some reason. But um, and there's several films set in New York in at Christmas yeah. in their Home Alone two and things like that. But yeah, there's a guy called Larry Cohen who did loads of really low budget films, and one was called God Told Me To, and another one was called Q which is about a dragon attacking New uh-huh. York. Um, but I think those type of films sort of showcase the city more effectively than the bigger budget films, really. You see more of the city and yeah. you can't really picture New York without, you know, King Kong on the Empire State. I Island, went to New York a few years ago. Um, and when I came back um, and I said, I've been up the Empire State Building, every person I said yeah. it to said, was King Kong up there? And <laughs> yeah, I just said, no. Great line. So I've, thought of, I've thought of a couple of other mentions just now, actually. Birdman, that scene when he walks through Times oh, yeah. Square. Cloverfield. Is that because yeah. I mentioned a dragon? <laughs> that's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, you mentioned a few Scorsese films, but one I always like to bring up is After Hours, and I think it is the best New York City filmed at night film other than Taxi Driver. Uh, there's another one that showcases like New York at night uh, called Cruising. And you mentioned some Al Pacino films there, but this one was by William Friedkin, and it's another decent one. It's just about him tracking down yeah. a serial killer in the New York night scene. Uh, it's quite yeah. good. You might like it. Um, and then, obviously, I'm not going to go into John Cassavetti stuff again, but a lot of his films are in New York. And there's a film called Francis Ha um, as well. That's quite a nice one. And then the one I just typed out that you heard me type in, I thought, that is a really New York film. Oliver and Company. Do you remember that? <laughs> that film with a cat? No. <laughs> It's like it's like a Disney film, like a cartoon. Oh, yeah, with a little yeah. That's a that's like a proper New York film. Yeah, it is. Think about um, it. It's got Billy Joel in it. He's like the king of New York. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. What's the other <laughs> one about the little mice? An American yeah, Tale. American Tale. That. It's sort of a metaphor for like Russian immigrants going to there New York. Go. I think. Yeah. So yeah, I knew it was. There yeah, you go. American Tale. Was so, uh, we're watching the thing next time, aren't we? Top I three things. Top three. We're going to be doing. <laughs> Top three cold films. I'll have to <laughs> think know. of something. The only thing I need to say to top off a 1001 Film Policy episode is David Lynch. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs>